This is Life Authentic with Christy and Beth. I'm Christy. I'm Beth. And And we're we're sisters. sisters. We're also mothers, writers, entrepreneurs, and purpose-driven inspiration junkies. You know what we're not? Perfect. If you're okay with that, this podcast is for you. We share real-life experiences and the lessons we continue to learn with the hope that it will encourage you to live your most authentic life of purpose. Let's do this, Christy. Hey, Beth. Hey, Christy. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm cold. It is chilly. It really is. Mm-hmm. And and we're up in our office where we record, mm-hmm. and I forgot to turn on the heat. And so when we got up here this morning, it took a really long time for it to warm up. Yeah, I feel like it's just now warm, really. Yeah, it is. We're going to get cold while we're sitting here. <laughs> it was 27 <laughs> degrees when I took Dax to school this morning. Yeah, 27? I wasn't expecting it to drop off so cold all of a sudden. I know. I hope but it gets you know, snow this year, though. Yeah. Oh, somebody was talking to me about that. Are we expecting snow? Well, okay. So I had a dentist appointment at 730 this morning, which Ooh. I don't like dentist appointments. And I definitely don't like them at 730, but I had to reschedule and that's all they had. So, mm-hmm. but it was kind of good because I got it out of the way. But when I got there, everybody in the office was, was cold and that's all anybody could talk about because it was so cold. But they were talking about because we had such a hot summer, I guess they called it an El Nino summer. And I'm still not exactly sure what that is. Mm. But they were saying that um, the forecast is that we're going to have a colder winter. But then we got on the discussion of maybe that will give us some snow because, you know, in Georgia, like if we have snow, usually it's like barely enough to cover the ground. Or ice. Yeah. It's just disgusting. Like ice. Maybe we'll get good good snow. Yeah. I mean, we are at the end of November, so it's expected for it to. Fall finally goes away, even That's though right. I'm always a little bit sad when fall transitions into winter. I it doesn't, re- so yeah, it much. doesn't last long enough. Mm-mm. But anyway, it's all it's all part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't mind winter either. Well, you know how <laughs> I feel about that. I don't mind winter if I'm snowmobiling and playing in snow, but I don't necessarily love the long months of winter in Georgia. I like to escape and go other places. Oh yeah, oh but yeah. It, it's. It's all part of it. Yes, it is. The it seasons is. change. It's it what it's what makes us appreciate the different seasons. I think too, because just when you're fed up with one, it changes. You know, because it's like yeah. as humans, we can never be fully satisfied. No, and that's my problem. You know how like we were joking about me being high maintenance. Well, in general, but <laughs> definitely when it comes to weather, and that is is true. I definitely appreciate the other seasons when the seasons I don't care for as much like winter are here. I definitely appreciate when spring comes and I really love when we get out of the hot, hot summer and it's fall. But yeah, I really try to focus though. I know you try to do this too. You know, we're all about personal development, personal growth. We were talking about this earlier, you know, I think personal development kind of gets a bad rap because I think people look at it as like self-help, which it is. But a lot of people shy away from that because they think, oh, well, nothing's wrong with me. Or it's got the stigma with it that's like, oh, you need to be in the self-help aisle at the bookstore. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you've got the self-help books in your cart online. Yeah, but it's really all just about personal growth. And this is what we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. You and I talk about this all of, all the time because it's really all just about growth and I never want to stop growing as a person. 
Yeah. I always want to be better than I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're always going to have days when we're not our best, but that doesn't mean we don't stop striving to be our best. Yeah, and I always think it's interesting that we age, but, and that's all about growing and changing and different things. Sometimes the things we wish wouldn't change, but growing on the inside comes with that. As we age, we should continue to grow and continue to change and I mean that's all personal development is that's just the name for it but it's just growth and continuing to grow and expand and learn and hopefully become better over time well yeah and I said that because with the seasons changing the older I get the more I really try to enjoy each season that I'm in Mm -hmm. and 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 try to find the good in it even when it's really cold like well maybe it'll snow when it's super hot in the summer like I'm not a fan of when it's you know, 95 degrees outside and you can't walk from point A to point B without being covered in sweat. But I like certain parts of summer too. So all I'm saying is like, I try to look at... You're trying to teach me something. (laughs) No, I'm just try to look at the good parts of it, you know, and try to enjoy it. Because it goes by so fast too. It really does. You know, so... And in the winter with the holidays and different things like that and the, the breaks from school and the breaks, that's really... That really is a plus side to winter and, you know, all the holidays. Then the time that you do, people do tend to slow down a little bit. And so that's always nice. Well, and it's, and it's all part of the whole cycle of life because the winter comes and it kills off all the insects and it kills out all the bad things and lets things start over again. And that's kind of like it is in your life. You know, you go through a really dark, like winter season of your life. But those are the times really when you spring kind of forth a new new life within the you. clean slate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the part about winter that I don't hate is when the bugs are gone. <laughs> the spiders. Yeah. Even though once a spider found me in the dead of winter in the snow, it was like tucked away. It had found somewhere warm and it found me. You know yeah, how you, they find me. You have to, um, you ha- you're going to have to learn to conquer that fear of spiders that way you don't draw them to you I know you always tell me because that they I do find you manifest them in some <laughs> form or fashion because I'm never, scared of them I've never seen like so we were sitting somewhere sometime and a spider just came down from the ceiling I can't even remember where we were they do it all the time I know me. so yeah you're but how to- do you my question is I get like a lot of times if people are scared of heights they'll go skydive or they'll go up in a really tall building building or they overcome that fear how do you overcome the fear of spiders you lay down with some spiders <laughs> I'm not gonna do that how do you overcome that um maybe you go pet a tarantula no <laughs> not doing it I'm not 100% sure about that um maybe you just try not to focus on them I don't, but they drop down from the middle of the ceiling. You <laughs> saw it happen yourself. That is true. That is true. You're right. There's probably some way I can figure out how to. I'll do. Stop I'll do some research on how how, how to stop manifesting spiders into your okay. life. Thanks. I appreciate it. Okay. So what we're talking about today is how we're looking at things in our past that we handled a specific way, and we're going to tell y'all how we handled it then. And how we would handle it now. Mm-hmm. And we're not, if you know us at all, you know that we're not somebody that thinks you should dwell on your past. Absolutely not. But you learn from your past. That's how we learn. Yeah, I think the past, the past is there to teach us. 
and you can't dwell on it, but you can learn from it. So, and you can re-examine it from time to time if you're learning, if you're using it as a learning or a growth tool. Yes. So that's kind of what we're doing today. Yes. This should be fun because some of these stories are a little juicy. Yeah, we we just got in this conversation not too long about all of this, and then we were like, "Hey, we should share this on the podcast" because we were talking about that how that we handled these situations and we're like, Oh, remember that time and remember that time? Yeah. And then how much differently we would handle them now. And it feels good when you can look at something that you handled a certain way that maybe has bothered you through the years mm-hmm. or that you've kind of revisited, not even on purpose, but something that's kind of come back into your your thoughts of like you didn't handle it a certain way and you think, Wow, I really wish that I would have handled that differently. It feels good when you get to a place and you know without a doubt, if that's if you were put in that same situation again, you would be a totally different person. Because you are a totally different person, hopefully. Yeah. Or even similar situations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be the same exact scenario. It can be something like that, like an uncomfortable situation or, you know, any of the situations we're going to talk about that if you're placed in again, hopefully... We learn our lessons from that, and we handle them completely different. And that's that's sometimes I think why we why those things happen in the past is they happen the wrong way to teach us the right way. Well, and it always helps you help somebody else too. If somebody else is going through something similar, or they they've been in a similar situation, mm-hmm. it helps you come from a place of knowing because you've been there and you understand them. Yes, so that helps a lot too. We should probably do a little disclaimer too. Yes, um, definitely on, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell a couple of stories. I'm, I, I'm, I don't know about yours, but if, if you have children, if you're listening to this over Bluetooth in your car, or there's small children around, I definitely am going to say, you might want to skip this yeah. and come back to it because they're, my stories definitely have some sensitive um, information and some adult content for lack of a better term um yes that's not for little ears yeah yeah so you can skip it and come back to it (laughs) okay so um you want to start out oh sure um okay I've got to give this I've got to give my story kind of a little foundation here so um in my mid-20s and this is back when we owned a recycling business and the part of the recycling business that I handled was the purchasing. So I went out, I met with clients, I made deals on recyclable metal and came to an agreement. And a lot of times this was done over lunch. It was done in a conference at a conference table in a conference room. Sometimes it was, you know, outside of a big warehouse. So I was pretty used to traveling to different places. A lot of times Atlanta you know, just pretty used to meeting all different types of clients and in all all different locations. But this, (laughs) I could have never been prepared for. So we had a couple of different recycling yards and this particular person would come into the recycling yard and sell metal there. And Somehow along the way, I don't know if someone gave him my number or I talked to him myself. I really can't remember. But we ended up setting up a time to meet him and another man who I guess they were in the business together or whatever. 
I set up a time to meet them to go look at some metal that they had uh, at a warehouse. But we were going to sit sit down somewhere before, and I thought, eat lunch and kind of discuss it. And so I didn't know. I told them to, you know, pick the time and place. That was also very common because they're my client. And I'm right. saying, you know, wherever you'd like to go, you know, let me know when you're available. I'll let you know when I am. So... He gave me an address, okay? It's just a random address in Atlanta. I put it in my GPS. And on the phone conversation, what he tells me is we're going to meet at this little deli sandwich shop because they were hungry. They were going to have food and then go sit down and talk to me. So... I start going to a little more of a, I would say, a shadier side of the city. There are some shady sides of Atlanta. Absolutely. (laughs) And they can get relatively scary. And I was in a little bit of like a, hmm, okay. I was by myself. Of course, again, where am I going? I was used to meeting people by myself and doing this. But yeah, it was a little bit more of a sketchy side of town. And a side of town that I hadn't been on in yeah. Atlanta. So I really had no idea. Like, I couldn't get my bearings. And I'm directionally challenged anyway, so that <laughs> doesn't help. Of course, I had my, my GPS. So I'm trying to find this place. And I end up at this, which what looks kind of like a rundown strip mall. And I'm, I'm looking, there's not a lot of signs. You know how a strip mall will have signs on the outside or yeah. they'll have a sign in the parking lot that tells you. And there wasn't really any of that here. So I was wondering if I was in the right place. But I did see like a little walk-in, kind of looked like a little bakery. And I did see that sign. But I did feel a little uneasy. I'm not going to lie. I felt a little uncomfortable because it just seemed like a... Not the most professional, best place to meet someone. However, I reasoned it out in my mind and I thought, okay, well, this must be, their warehouse must be close to here. And that's why we're at this side of town. So I get out, assuming this is the sandwich shop, and I go into it. Well, they're nowhere to be found and I'm getting ready to call them. When this older lady, which I would like, she had like a grandma look. Yeah. Just a nice older lady came out from behind the counter and she says, are you Beth? And I'm, yes, ma'am. And she says, well, so-and-so told me that you were coming here. I'm just going to walk you down to where they are. Well, I felt at ease then because I was like, okay, I'm in here with grandma and she's going (laughs) to, she's like, she asked me, you know, are you going to get a sandwich or anything? I was like, no, I'm probably just going to get a soda, whatever. So we're walking down from the sandwich shop. I would say the sandwich shop is located about in the middle of the small strip mall. And we go down to this other side. Well, this, this other side didn't have a sign or anything on it. It was just another door down at the end of a strip mall. And I'm, I'm just remembering this, like putting yeah, well, myself back there right now. Yeah, I know the story because you and I have talked about it uh, many times. But I do, you're, you're painting a good picture so far for the listeners. Yes, I have to make everybody kind of understand 
the unmarked places, the side of town that I was on, and the fact that Grandma led me down to the spot. So I walk in this door, and she just kind of opens the door, lets me in, and then she just kind of closes the door, and I'm inside this building. She just leaves you? Yeah, she just, like, opens the door, and it's like, okay. And then she closes the door, and she's gone. But I'm inside, yeah, I'm inside this very dimly lit place. First of all, that's weird. Uh Uh-huh, very dimly lit. Which I'm thinking is maybe at first like a, you know, a hole in the wall kind of pub. Maybe the guys are sitting in there having a beer and, yeah, you know, it is two dudes and they were probably just chilling out. Well, <laughs> I see them at a table. I'm still feeling a little uncomfortable because grandma leaves me just right inside the door and leaves. And it's it, my eyes are trying to adjust from the light. I see them and I walk over to like a high top table I noticed there's some some pool tables and different stuff like that and kind of those low-hanging like pub lights over the pool tables. Yeah. But I'm not really paying attention to, you know, if you're concentrated on someone, sometimes you just don't see everything that's around you. surroundings. Yeah. So I spot them at this table. It's pretty empty, too. And I go over and I sit at this table and I'm starting to take my jacket off. And that's when I see it. So, I'm trying to think the best way to express <laughs> this other than to just really just express say it. it. <laughs> there are naked women. I don't mean like scantily dressed. I'm sitting down at this high top table and my eyes have adjusted and I look and playing pool and walking around are naked women. Like naked, Period. In nothing but their shoes. So weird. Even like literally playing pool. They're playing pool naked? Okay, yeah. So I have to tell you this part of it because I assume the whole time I'm there that they've brought me to a strip club, which I don't know these men. It's a business meeting is, first of all, highly inappropriate and... I sit there the whole time thinking, I'm going to finish the story out this way, thinking I'm at a strip club. And then later I will tell you what my thinking was after the fact. So when I see this, I I mean, I'm in this dimly lit place. Don't really know where I am. I'm with these two men that I don't really know. And stuff starts spinning through my mind like, okay, how well do you know them? And what have you just gotten yourself into? And I promise you, if I had been at sitting outside a place that said naked women inside playing pool. Right. If it was a, <laughs> a strip club sign, obviously I wouldn't have let grandma walk me down there. So I'm going to tell you how I handled it. First of all, the feelings that I had were I felt extremely scared. I just felt very scared and uncomfortable in that moment. Rightly so. And it wasn't even the fact that, I mean, I was a grown girl. I know what a strip club is. It was the fact that I felt bamboozled into a situation that I was highly uncomfortable with. But did I look at them and tell them how inappropriate they were, how uncomfortable I was, and turn around and walk out and say, yeah, this is not a business deal I want to be in. No, Keep your medal. I did not. And let me tell you what to do with your medal. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
I didn't know. I didn't. I more in my people pleasing mentality, which is what I was in back in my twenties, and also goes along with people pleasing, not wanting to make other people as uncomfortable as they have made me. And also trying to be, when I was younger, trying to be in the, you know, because you were in the, the same business that I was in. The, in that business, you deal with a lot of men. I was going to say, it's, anyway. a very, it's a very male-dominated industry it, it is. to begin with. And a lot of them can be very rough around the edges and very condescending to the point where they think you don't know what you're talking about or you can't handle things because you're a female and you're in a male-dominated industry. I'm sure plenty of women can relate to that on a lot of different levels. Sure. And so I did have that feeling of trying to like prove myself. Yeah, like I'm tough enough. I can handle yes. this. Because I had encountered that in other situations that weren't nearly, nearly as uncomfortable as this. But where I did, I had to prove myself. No, I know what I'm talking about. I can handle this. I'm good. So I went into that mode. And even the looks on their faces looking back was almost like this schmarmy, I got you kind of look. And one of them speaks up, and I remember, and it's like, are you good? Are are, Are we good? Is this good? And I just was like, yeah, I'm fine. And I sat down. And about that time, um, somebody was over to take a drink order. And I ordered a soda. And in my mind, I was thinking, how fast can I get this done and get out of here? Now, in my defense, not to be so hard on myself, I do think that when you go into that mode and you're feeling scared and you're feeling you're in a place surrounded by people that you don't know in a part of town you don't know, you do think, I want to make the right move because now I really don't even know what these people are up to. It all feels extremely shady on so many levels. I don't even really remember the conversation. That's not important because obviously I never did business with them. But I got through whatever I had to get through and acted as if nothing was wrong, acted as if I didn't see all of the naked women in this very shady, unmarked strip mall. Well, first of all, what kind of a place could it have been if the women were just walking around naked? That's one of my questions. I mean, not that it really matters, but it's just so strange. I mean, it's weird that there are even places like that where these men just go sit down and they're having a and drink it's or unmarked, whatever. Chris. Unmarked. Yeah, I mean, it's there was probably some really, really shady stuff going on. Look, I told the story forever as if it was a strip club, and that's why I'm saying now, looking back, I don't remember a stage. I don't know why that people were playing pool and doing the things they were not performing, they were not dancing, and. I don't remember any of this. So looking back, I really question what place I was in. And furthermore, the fact that they had grandma lead me down there was all part of their plan. 
because I think they understood what kind of person I was and understood that I was there for a professional meeting. And if I think they knew had I walked in there on my own and it hadn't been some sort of like, why did you they have you up, grandma basically. at the sandwich shop? Yeah. Because you couldn't tell me we, where we were meeting. You had to say we're going to meet at the sandwich shop. Mm-hmm. And then you had grandma walk me down to this place. Also, what kind of a grandma was she? Not I mean, she might have been the boss. You know what I mean? She <laughs> might have ran the place. Yeah. But looking possibly. back, it was a total setup to get me in there. Now, I will well, never... And, and what you said about the looks on their faces, I remember you telling me even the looks on their faces, like you knew deep down that they had set you up and they thought it was funny that they... Oh, yeah, I was in, being made fun of. Yeah, yeah, that they put you in this situation. Exactly. Which is just... And they were older too. I'm a, I'm a woman in my mid-20s yeah. and was quite a bit younger than them. These yeah. aren't like young 20-something-year-old guys. Not that that would have justified it, but what I'm saying is they were quite a bit older than me. And definitely should have known better. So basically that that whole story, I did nothing. I walked out. I didn't say anything. I even went through the business specifics of actually discussing the metal, doing all of that stuff, feeling just so ick and so uncomfortable, so like offended and appalled. And I just, I just left and I never said anything. I never did anything. And that is a prime example of who I used to be versus who I am now. Well, and then you didn't tell, like our dad and our brother were in business nope. with us. You didn't tell me until much later. I don't think you told anybody. No, until- it's almost like I protected them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I feel like. I feel like I was protecting Two sleazy, disrespectful people who had no good intentions whatsoever. And why did I not tell anyone? Probably because I didn't want it to be confronted and I didn't want anyone to know because in a, in a way, without trying to, I was protecting them so that they wouldn't feel uncomfortable or they wouldn't feel bad. Mm-hmm. When I felt like when I got back in my truck, I was... I couldn't get out of the parking lot fast enough. And it took so long, not just that day, for that feeling and that just feeling really like I was lured into something that was just, ugh. It was just, yeah, it was just gross and very uncomfortable. And, you know, the difference in me now versus then, first of all, Yes, I was scared I was uncomfortable, but I think as I've gotten older, certain other emotions overcome fear <laughs> and being uncomfortable yeah. more. Yeah. And I would have absolutely, first of all, there's a good chance I would have just put my jacket on and walked right back out of the place with no explanation at all. However, there's also a good chance that I would have looked right at them and told them exactly how I felt, how disrespectful, how inappropriate, how absurd that it was, and that I would not be doing business with them. If I didn't feel comfortable, I promise they would have heard from me later. If I would have walked out the door, they would have heard from me later. I would not have protected them. 
I would have told them so that everyone knows what kind of people they are. Right. And I would have stood up for myself, in other words. And I would have said exactly how I felt, no matter how uncomfortable that it made them, because look at the situation they put me in. Well, and for somebody to put you in that situation, first of all, is just ridiculous and terrible. But the fact of what you said is you're, you didn't even realize it, but you were trying to protect them. They weren't protecting you. They put you in a terrible, uncomfortable, ridiculous situation. And I mean, it had to have, it almost sounds like it gave you a certain amount of guilt because otherwise. So they could get a cheap thrill from seeing me. Uh, And they absolutely knew no matter how male-dominated this business was, I didn't meet people at strip clubs. I didn't meet... It was very professional. When I right. met people, it was in a very professional setting. So they absolutely knew that that was not the normal mode of meeting right, when you met of course. someone. But you were in a place that you thought it was more important to protect them than protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do know now you would have immediately called all of us and said we're never doing business with them this is what just happened if they even walk back on our yard they will be asked to leave yes because we don't even want them yeah it is so it's so hard for me in a lot of ways to look back and even believe that I was that kind of well I can tell it's even it even makes you uncomfortable telling the story because it was such an uncomfortable situation Mm -hmm. and and I know now that you would handle it so completely different. I know you now versus what you were back then. Mm-hmm. And um, you're just such, you're you're a much more strong person now. And you're not afraid to stand up for yourself. And you're not afraid to call out a situation when it's wrong. Yeah. And just being direct, you know, just being direct and saying, this is not okay. You know, I think a lot of times we forget that situation. I don't think anybody would be too worried about being direct in a situation like that. But even in a lot of situations in life, when people put us in situations that make us uncomfortable, sometimes we're too afraid to be direct because it might make them uncomfortable when they're the reason we're having to have a response to this. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of situations like that in life. And I don't think, you know, for anybody who might be struggling with that, it's not... It's not your fault, the situation that they put you in. So you should have no drawbacks about being direct and and calmly telling them, this is not okay. I don't like this situation you've put me in. This is uncomfortable or this is disrespectful or this is wrong. And I think a lot of times, I think a, a lot of, I think you can do that in a lot of situations in life where you, someone makes you uncomfortable and puts you in a situation, but then you don't stand up for yourself because you don't want to make them feel the same way they're making you feel. Yeah, I think that's easy to do. I've done that many times in my life. Does that make it right? No. I mean, I agree. Like you and I have been talking about this a lot lately too. Reacting versus responding. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like, first of all, even though that was an uncomfortable situation, you would have reacted calmly, but very much to the point, you would have responded to what they did to you Mm -hmm. in a very straightforward way to let them know this is not acceptable. And I don't do business with people like you. Yeah, that's a great example (laughs) of now that I'm older, when I said earlier, 
I would definitely respond. I was reacting in that situation. I was reacting to the situation they put me in and it wasn't the right reaction and it wasn't, you know, I, I was just reacting out of what they had done. Now I would have responded to it. Yeah. And I would have said, hey, let me tell you something. <laughs> you, you underestimated me. Right. You know, like yeah. like you, you might have thought this was real cute and real funny. Yeah. But let me let me teach y'all a little something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And oh, yeah. and I don't look back on that situation with regret because I think that's important. I think just like we said in the beginning, things like that are there to teach us something. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in a very highly uncomfortable situation. And that taught me a lot about people pleasing and about that. That was an extreme situation, right? They right. made me extremely uncomfortable. It was extremely inappropriate, extremely disrespectful. And I, <coughs> excuse me, I still didn't say anything. Yeah. But that taught me such a good hard lesson about that, about responding to something and being direct and not putting other people and protecting other people above myself when it's necessary for me to protect myself. Yeah. Um, every time I hear you talk about that story, it makes me so mad because, um, you know, had you handled it differently back then too, they probably would have had, um, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of not so good feedback from a lot of people in our mm-hmm. company because that would not. Have and they been, needed that. Yeah, they did. You think about that. They, they needed that. Yeah. Like the thing I think probably that bothers me the most is what other 20 something year old woman are they doing this to right and other situations yeah and what freaking kind of place was that mm. I mean I know what a strip club is I'm I, I, that that looking back that's the only thing that could come to my mind well there's naked ladies this has to be a strip club but looking back I'm like I don't even know what kind of place I was in yeah so yeah so, so terrible <laughs> so that one was a lesson that I learned the hard way, but I did learn something from it. And I I am glad to say that I have grown so much. And obviously, like we just said, I would never handle that situation or any situation like that again, because, you know, I definitely learned from it and I've definitely grown from it. Yeah. Ugh. It's something I'll never forget. I mean, I'm 42. And I was like, yeah, and I can tell when you tell the story, 20s. like you, you have those same, I mean, you, you very, you can easily relive how you felt in that moment. And I remember it vividly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have told grandma about something, something too, before I left. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I needed to have a little discussion mm-hmm. with grandma. Like, what are you, what are you doing up in here, grandma? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my first, um, Started out with a real ick there for everybody, but that's my that's my first my first story about. Well, I like what you said that you past. don't that you don't regret it because it did teach you something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the most important part is when you're looking at something that happened to you in your past is to not look back at it. it you know, with regret, it's easy to do that, but if you can kind of reframe your thinking about things and look at it as a learning experience, which you very clearly do now. And I think a lot of people can learn something from that because mm-hmm. the key point in that is you should never be afraid to speak up. If somebody puts you in an, uncomfort- in an uncomfortable p- position or situation, 
you should never be afraid to protect yourself and stand up to them because they should have never put you in that situation to begin with. So you should not worry about making them uncomfortable. Especially in a situation like that where I, where I felt scared. You know, there was a certain yeah. amount of fear. And then looking back, I probably should have been a lot more scared. I was with two strange men on a shady part of a city or in a shady part of a city in a place that definitely looking back wasn't a strip club. So, I mean, that, that if there's any time that I should stand up and <laughs> it was yeah not worry about it, it should be then. But, you know, lesson learned. And I'm very glad to say that I've grown immensely since those days in, yes. that, in that area. Most okay. definitely. So whew, let's switch okay, gears. Okay, take a deep breath. Yeah, take okay, a deep breath. let's switch gears. Um, okay, what is your story that you're going to tell? Okay, so I was, I can't remember if I was 16 or 17, but um, our, our family has had many businesses. We've mm-hmm. worked together a lot. At this particular time, um, we had... You said, I'm sorry, 15 or 16? 16 or 17, okay. because I was driving. Yeah. I, I was 16 or... I know I wasn't older than 17, but um, we had paint stores, like paint where you paint your house, paint stores, and we had a paint factory. And I worked in the factory in the office and handled bookkeeping, and I was also the receptionist there, did all kinds of things. Well... Um, we had somebody who worked for us and he worked in one of the paint stores. So I had to communicate with him It's somebody I'd known for a long time and he'd worked for us in, in other, um, areas before. And he was married, had a little boy. And one day at the factory, every, every, it was closed, everything had closed down. Um, and I was there by myself and he, he knew I was there by myself because he knew our hours and, we talked all, almost on a daily basis because we had to do inventory and all the different things. And he had started before this, started making comments like on the phone and, you know, giving me compliments and all these things. And wait, can I interrupt? Yeah. How old yeah, yeah. a person is this person? I want to say. I'm just pointing out the fact that you're 17. I want to know how old he yeah, was. Yeah, I'm going to say, I don't, maybe 10 years older than me. So he's Olivia's age, or you're Olivia's age, and he's 10 years older. Okay. I, I, that's that's probably not exact, well, but I want to yeah, say just, they're about. Yeah, okay. I mean, he was he was older, married with a child, and I was 17, right. still living at home. I just like, wanted to highlight that point. Conti- yeah. Continue, please. Yes, thank you. So he had started giving me these compliments. Well, at first, I didn't really think anything about it because he did it in a way that I was just like, oh, well, thank you. He would compliment like my work et- work ethic and things like that and how good I was and what I did mm. to be so young. And mm-hmm. then it started getting into telling me how pretty I was and mm-hmm. how smart and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was very young and naive at 17, probably more than a, a lot of girls these days. Um and so anyway, the, the factory had closed. I was there by myself. Well, I hear somebody pull up outside and the factory. So I was in the office. The factory is dark inside. I hear somebody pull up. So I walk out there to see who it is. And it's him and his little boy. And he comes in and just starts talking. And I'm like, first of all, I'm wondering why he's there. Like, did you need something like because he knows it's closed? Yeah. Like he knows, I was just wondering. Yeah. Like, I wasn't rude or anything at first. Mm-hmm. I was very nice, like I always was. 
So to make a long story short, he starts just talking and talking. He starts talking about his relationship with his wife and starts saying negative things about her. Mm. Then he's saying all these good things about me and his little boy's there also. So then it starts making me more and more uncomfortable because I realize that he's trying to move in on me, for lack of a better term. Like he's talking about his marriage and how it's not good and, and you know, and telling me all these things about me. And then, then he starts telling me how basically he's always had a crush on me but never wanted to tell me. And, I mean, I'm 17. Since you were 10, I always, I mean. 17. Um, you know, and it was just making me really, oh. really uncomfortable. So I remember just standing there and not really saying a whole lot. I remember in my mind, I did try to, I tried to, like, encourage him with his marriage and his mm-hmm. relationship. And, like, well, people go through things and you know, you just need to talk to her. And, you know, I was just trying to be like a nice understanding friend, even though I was extremely uncomfortable because I realized what was going on was really ridiculous. And yeah, just 27, whatever year old man talking to a 17 year old about marriage anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the part, you know, him saying things about his wife and all that really made me uncomfortable too, because I'm like, I, First of all, I, I can't stand that if somebody's going to go. your kid's there? Yeah, and your little kid's there. Anyway, it was terrible. So I just stood there and stood there until he talked and talked and talked. And finally, I said, well, I've, I've got to go. Like, I've got to go and close up. So, you know, like, basically get out of here. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was nice and congenial and mm-hmm. polite and waited for him to finish talking. And he kept staying and staying and staying. And finally... Finally, finally, after I kept saying I have to go, he finally left. And I locked up everything. And you're talking about feeling ick. I felt very ick because I knew it was a bad situation. It made me very uncomfortable. So as the days went on, first of all, I never told anybody. Mm -hmm. I never told anybody. And continued to work. He continued to work. And when he would talk to me, it was just more and more of the same. And... It just made me more and more uncomfortable. And I can't remember exactly what happened after that as far as like if he stopped working there or maybe maybe that paint store closed. I can't remember exactly because it's been so long ago. But it continued, as it, you know, he continued with this same kind of behavior. He never trapped me in there again because I made sure I would like, I was like, I never want that to happen again. But I never told anybody about it until years later. And... I just, I felt really ick. And for some reason, I questioned myself. I started questioning myself and thinking like, did I do something inappropriate? Did I do something to make him think that I liked him this way? And and I was also friends with his wife. Like oh. I had known her pretty much my whole life. So it put me mm. in such a weird place. And at my age, I didn't really know how to handle it. And okay, so that's how I handled it then. <laughs> Obviously, now I would have handled it totally different. First of all, um, right when he showed up, I would have said, like, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And direct. Yes. And when I realized what was going on, I would have told him, first of all, this is inappropriate and you shouldn't be talking to me about these things. You're a married man with your child. Second of all, you should never be even talking about these things in front of your child. 
and I would have just made him leave or I would have called my dad. Yeah, I'm a minor. You might want to consider that, buddy, that (laughs) that part might play into it. Yes. That might have scared him off. So, yeah, I I should have immediately called dad because he was the boss at the time and this this guy worked for him and I worked for dad. I should have immediately called him and said, hey, this is what happened and we need to fire him. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't have had to say that. If I would have (laughs) told dad at the time, he would have immediately... That that would have mm-hmm. not been a good situation for this individual. Mm-mm. So I didn't I didn't I didn't tell anybody. But but now I would handle it completely different. I would have been very direct with him. I would have gone to management, which was mm-hmm. dad, and gotten him fired because first of all, for him to put me in that situation was terrible at my age. Second of all, it was just completely inappropriate the things he was saying and and all of that. Um, eventually. Uh, things did change and we no longer, we didn't work together anymore, which I was very thankful for. But the same person, um, many times after that, as I got older, he would try to get back in touch with me or I would see him like at church or see him at different places. And he would always try to like move in and like be flirty and whatever with me. Well, the older I got, the more I got really just straightforward about it. Until much, much later in life, he tried again to sort of make a pass at me. And at that point, I just walked off and told him, like, this is ridiculous. Basically, don't talk to me again. Um, But yeah, that was a very ick situation. And I was kind of like you. I I don't know why I tried to protect him. I think I was kind of scared at the time. And... I didn't want to, I didn't want to like disrupt his marriage. I didn't want to disrupt his job. Like I was protecting him for what reason? I have no idea. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that crazy that in those two very ick, but very different situations at different ages, even. Yeah. We, tried to protect them even though we were put in such highly inappropriate and uncomfortable situations your situation I mean the only thing I can say at least I was a grown woman when this (laughs) happened you were a child and I'm sorry I'm still stuck on the thing of I've always had a crush on you you think you were 16 or 17 yeah how old how old were you when he first developed this crush yeah because always ick and you brought up something earlier that I think is a good point because I think I had the same situation where you start saying did I make them think that I'm this kind of person like what did I do and I and I do remember kind of having those feelings what kind of person do they think that I that I am that they've put me in this situation and think that this is okay right and I can't imagine being a 16 or 17 year old kid because you don't even know anything about anything when it comes to those types of things when you're that young, first Mm -mm. of all. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he knew what he was doing. And and he was, like I said, the phone conversations and different things that were supposed to be about business, something would always be, you know, slid in there, a compliment to me or 
you know, it, it was, it was, it was very inappropriate. And, you know, I, I, like you, I, I don't, I, I don't blame myself at all. I did a little bit at the time because, you know, like I said, I was questioning myself, like, did I, did I say something or make him think that I, you know, and I, no, of course I didn't. I was just being a friendly person like I am. And I was a kid and I was just working and doing my job and trying to be nice and friendly. You know, I cut up with people and I like to laugh. Like I, you know, I'd never, I never dreamed that it it would turn into that, of course. But yeah. Um, but now it would be totally different because I should have been in a place to protect myself and I should have gone immediately and told somebody about it and let people know what kind of situation that I was in. You know, I mean, that's, that's a totally different subject too, because given your age and that situation, I know that things like that happen a lot more often than we like to think. And, you know, the sad part is about a very young person, a minor, someone who's still a teenager that that's a whole different level of manipulation mm-hmm. when an older married man, you know, there's there's been a lot of stories and things that I've, you know, read about or watched on TV where older men start that with like someone much younger and they start, you know, thank them. goodness, like, yeah. absolutely, thank goodness that you were mature enough and did understand enough that 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 didn't kind of pull you in because that complimenting you and you're doing so good and I'm unhappy you know a lot of times especially when you're a young when you're a young woman that feels it feels good because you're you know you're just becoming a woman you're 16 you're 17 and an older person is looking at you and they're complimenting you yeah and that is that can be the start of a very very bad road for a lot of people yeah and so yeah that is that is um yeah, it's really gross. But um, yeah. Yeah, I would hate I think about, you know, my daughter, Olivia, she's 17 now. So I think if she was in a situation like that, you know, the only difference in Olivia versus me when I was 17 is mm-hmm. Olivia is much more outspoken. Olivia would have immediately, I would like to think this, I'm pretty sure she would, because oh, Olivia you, would. you know, Olivia, mm-hmm. she would have immediately come and told me or come and told somebody and she would have made sure that she handled the situation differently. Yeah, and if you are a 17-year-old girl and you ever are put, or any age, you know, young person. I mean, I talked about me when I was 25 and I was still in, manipulated into a very uncomfortable situation. But especially for much younger women, definitely, definitely in that situation, speak up. Yeah, if you're ever in a situation where you feel uncomfortable and someone's trying to take advantage of you or trying to put you in any sort of situation that makes you uncomfortable and you feel uneasy, definitely get out of the situation and Mm -hmm. tell somebody so that, and that's another thing, I think it's very important to tell somebody close to you so that somebody knows what's going on and they can help protect you and help back you up in a situation regardless of your age. Yeah, because even if you don't feel comfortable enough in the situation to say something, Mm -hmm walk away from that situation and tell someone, hopefully someone that is older and that can say something can, can help protect you. I mean, that's, that's a very good subject. And it's good to talk about that kind of stuff because that, that type of thing, you know, whereas mine, I'm sure that type of thing happens, but, but it was more bizarre of a bizarre scenario. I feel like your story is something that 
is a lot more common, unfortunately. Yeah. At, at all ages, but that is even like so much more of an ick thing, given the fact that you were such a young girl. So Yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. What would you have said specifically if you just had to look at him and say something to him? Say right now. What if you <laughs> look, I'm trying to get I, I want to get all into the details because that story just made my blood pressure go up. Like, what do you think if that was brought up now and you really had to look at him and tell him how that made you feel or had to stand up to him now? Well, first of all, I would tell him that his wife deserved better. <laughs> yeah, girl. I would definitely tell, tell him that his wife deserved better and that he should go work his problems out with her. Mm-hmm. And work on himself and learn how to be a better, cleaner individual. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And um, and I would have just told him to leave immediately. And I would have said, I'm going to make sure that you don't work for our company because you're not the quality of person that we need. And your character is not there. And why do you like have little bad- girls? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, Can may, I be there he too? may not have been, t- he may have been more like eight years older than me. I don't know, but that doesn't really matter. He was older than me. He was, well, he age. was older and married and yes, experienced and, in life. And I was a minor by myself mm-hmm. and it was an ongoing thing that he tried over and over. That particular time just made me highly uncomfortable even more because it kind of came to a head and I realized then what his true intentions were and that he waited until everybody was gone until I was there by myself, which was just Yeah, like he had built up to it and yeah. then picked the perfect yes. time. To that's just what stop I mean. It. It's yeah. it's it's like a predator. Yeah. It's that's the thing about Yeah. You know, that yeah. Ugh. Mm. Gross. <laughs> but you learned so much. I did. And you're talking about it. and Well, and it also taught me a lot. And I said that about my daughter, Olivia, but I've been very open with her about a lot of things. I'm open with my kids to the point that I make them uncomfortable. They're kind of used to it now, but I'm very open with them about things of that nature and just anything that's uncomfortable to talk to them about it so that they know. I mean, not that not that they could never be put in a situation where they would be uncomfortable or something could happen because it can happen to the best of us. But it did teach me a lot and to where I can teach my kids. Well, and I think not letting yourself or letting your I think teaching your your kids that they don't have to be pleasing in situations like that because I like in our generation you know it was a lot more common I think for kids to be raised to be pleasing to adults Mm -hmm. you know and then unfortunately that can develop into I mean look at me I was 20 something years old and I was still trying to be pleasing to someone and and I think that that's great that you talk to your kids differently to say Yes, of course, we should all try to be kind, good people and treat people well. But in those, there are situations you don't have to try to be pleasing and protect. Yeah, if people. someone if someone ever disrespects you or puts you into a, a situation like that, it's just you know stand up for yourself, walk away, make sure you're safe first of all, make sure you get to a safe area. If you know, because you, I mean, some someone like that you can't trust. But yeah, and then speak up, tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So uh, let's move on. Golly. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so my second one isn't much better. I feel like we're going from dark to darker in some ways, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into much de- as much detail on this because it really just doesn't need as much detail. Yeah. It just is what it is. Um, I was older at this point. I was still in my twenties, but it was, I think I'm going to say later twenties, you know, you know, the story I'm about to tell. I'm thinking later twenties. I'm not good with timelines. I'm thinking maybe later 20s, not much. It it wasn't, wasn't too far past that. No, it was, it was a couple years, I'm going to say. Yeah. So, um, I had been dating someone very seriously for a while and, um, this person had always treated me very kindly and never, um, I'd never saw any red flags. Very, very nice person as far as the way that he always treated me yeah I mean honestly I can't say that there was a whole lot of building up to this point because there just really wasn't um but we were on vacation and we were he had a he had kids and his kids were there and the the plan was is we were gonna be at this uh house and then my parents and some more of my family were coming in and then we were all going to go around and like vacation. And, um, but my parents hadn't got there. Our, our parents, uh, you yeah. like I'm saying my parents, <laughs> like you don't have them too. Um, so we were sitting around the night before playing cards. I will say there was alcohol involved. We were all drinking. I'm not using that to justify anything, but I just am making note of that because I had had something to drink. And, you know, sometimes tensions can get high if you're already kind of in a little bit of an argument in which we were. We had gotten in an, an argument over something so minor that I don't even really remember what it was now, which seems so bizarre given what happened. We got in an argument. The argument kind of escalated. At one point, you know, we had argued before. This was a pretty bad argument. At some point, we had gotten up from the table, probably because we were making people uncomfortable because we were arguing. And we walk out. I remember walking out of the front of this little house. He was in front and I was kind of walking behind him and we were arguing. And we had walked out the front door. And I don't even remember what was said. I just know that we were in a heated argument. And before that I could even like think he spun around and let me just say like this argument was not like a it wasn't even like a somebody cheated on somebody or somebody you know I would say not even anything like catastrophic it wasn't like that it was kind of like one of those arguments where you just kind of you're back and forth and you're back and forth and like I said you had some drinks so you have less inhibition about probably what you say and we just kind of pissed each other off and And it was just one of those arguments, you know? And before I knew what happened, he spun around and punched me in the face. And it happened so fast, I don't even, I I can't even explain how it felt because it didn't feel like, not that there's ever an argument that you should punch someone in the face, but it didn't even feel like something could even escalate to that degree. It was so unexpected. He punched me and immediately like blood everywhere. Like I just, I don't even, I don't remember the pain. You know, I I guess sometimes if you get hit that hard, you don't, I don't remember any pain until like afterwards. 
and probably adrenaline at that moment, but blood just everywhere. I just remember I didn't know that a nose could bleed that much. And <coughs> sorry, let me get some water. So these uncomfortable stories are making my throat dry. So they're making my blood boil. <laughs> I mean, just blood everywhere. And I was in such shock, first of all, obviously, over what happened. But then, obviously, I was in shock because it it just, it was just an argument. It's like it came out of nowhere. Right. There were, there was no physical altercation or anything like that. It's just, he, he just punched me in the face. Okay. He's bigger than me. He's a guy. I'm going to guess he's quite a bit stronger than me. And... I just remember being being in shock and there's blood everywhere and mainly like the first focus was just okay let me go see what's going on with my face and of course immediately after from what I remember nobody would let him get near me so not immediately after because there was just like immediate shock I think everyone was just like oh my gosh and everybody was just some people were really angry. Some people were just trying to kind of in assess the situation. Some people were trying to take care of me. And I remember after I got out of the shock of, did this just really happen? Furthermore, did this just happen in front of everybody? Like it was just something that happens when you argue. Mm. I remember feeling so hurt not physically just so hurt because I I couldn't imagine myself punching him in the face and I just thought what like what deserved me being punched in the face on my vacation yeah nothing furthermore I forgot to mention I said his kids were with us there was little ones sleeping in the back rooms of this house thank God, that none of the commotion woke them up. And looking back, I'm like, is that why you went in the, to the front yard? Because, you know, you needed to punch me in the face and you didn't want to wake up the kids. Thank goodness none of them saw that because this would probably be a lot worse of a memory for me had I thought that I traumatized a smaller child from seeing this, which I'm sure would have been something that can never be erased. But I just remember feeling so hurt. Now, you would think, you would think that I would make him leave, first of all, right? (laughs) Um, You also might think I would call the cops and say, hey, someone just punched me in the face. Because that's domestic violence and that's pretty frowned upon. You also might think, last but not least, that I wouldn't be with this person anymore. None of those things did I do. None of those things did I do. Furthermore, talk about protecting people. My parents were coming in. Not only did I not tell them, I made everyone swear for me, which put people in a very uncomfortable situation, mind you, because I'm sitting there for me. And now I will say a lot of this, I was trying to protect his children because I, I loved his children and I also didn't want to ruin their vacation. So a lot of that was me saying, I don't want to ruin their vacation. However, 
I didn't ruin their vacation. Their dad did. (laughs) Yes. So obviously I know all of that now. And it was very hard because this was a person that I loved and cared about. And like I said, I had no idea that he was a face puncher. So anyway, I iced my face the next, I think I had a, a full day before my parents, our parents arrived. And I iced my face because my main concern was that I was trying to make the swelling go down so that nobody could see that I was punched in the face so that I could continue our vacation so that everyone would be protected except, guess who? Except for you. So we had gone to water parks and different stuff. I didn't ride things because I was terribly afraid that a bump or any little thing would make my nose start pouring blood. Not to mention, it hurt like hell after the fact, oh after all the adrenaline. And honestly, um, people think that I just have this nice bump on my nose because I was born that way. But that's that's where the top of my nose shape came from. I mean, I should have definitely gone to the hospital because it probably, I mean, I would imagine with that much blood that it was it was cracked or broken or something was going on. But it left me a a bump on my nose that's there to this day and all of those things that I mentioned I would do differently that I didn't do I would make him leave kids or no kids because once again I did not ruin our vacation I did not ask to be punched in the face that was not no matter the argument There's never, ever, ever an excuse for violence like that. Never. Never an excuse for it. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what the situation is. There's never an excuse for violence. From a woman to a man either. Let me just say, we're talking about a lot of men in these situations. But you don't put your hands on people. No. Don't put your hands on people. So anyway, I I think it's obvious what I would have done differently. All of those things I said that I didn't do. And I even stayed with him. And, you know, I think a good point is that I accepted that in one relationship and I experienced it in another. And I think back, had I said something and changed the outcome, stood up for myself, set boundaries, you know, did things differently, then I would have felt differently about myself and I would have set different boundaries in my life and probably not entered into another abusive relationship. And, you know, I think a lot of times people talk about it a lot more, but people assume that somebody's weak if they let themselves be in like an abusive relationship and they accept that. And that is definitely not the case. I was always probably in general would, would have been considered a stronger type of person than he was as far as um, he was a lot more shy, a lot more laid back. And I was just a lot more, you know, me, you know how I am. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and I was also a person that was pretty outspoken and stood up for myself in a lot of situations and I didn't in that situation. And then I continued on into another relationship where I married someone, unfortunately, that was an abusive relationship. And it was very abusive. And you might think it doesn't get worse to get than getting punched in the face, but there's mental, emotional, spiritual, and I experienced all of those aside from the physical abuse in that relationship. 
So I think that's important to say too is if you speak up for yourself and you're not afraid to ruin everybody's vacation or make somebody else feel as uncomfortable as they made you feel, it might change the outcome of your future. And I'm going to guess that there's a really high percentage that it will because when you draw that line and you stand up for yourself and you respect yourself enough to do that, it can change a lot. And I feel like we're on all these really deep subjects, but you just talked about your situation. And I mean, abuse is another good thing to to be vocal about and tell someone about because those are situations just like the situation you were in where you're younger and you're quiet and and, and then people they're ashamed. I mean, I felt ashamed. Do you think I wanted to go tell anybody, hey, I'm in this relationship with this person that loves me so much they punched me in the face. Mm. And so I think that it's very important to to tell those stories. I know we're we're telling them to say what we would do differently, but again, just like you said, if you're in that situation, even if you're scared to speak up at the moment, go somewhere and tell someone who can help you. That is very important. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not just weak people. It's not just, it's, it's a, it, it, it abuses your mind to the point that first of all, you love someone. So that's a very hard thing when you really love someone, but they're hurting you. It, it, it really messes with your mind. There's a lot. I won't go in. We're not really concentrating completely on that subject. Maybe we will at some point, but that is a situation. Always, always tell somebody. Yes, um, you have to stand up for yourself. And, you know, sometimes I think people, especially in a domestic violence situation, people are scared. A lot of times it gets so bad to where they they get really scared even for their safety with that person, especially if it's a continuing thing. They get scared for their own safety. So first of all, make sure that you're in a safe, safe place that you get yourself in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And yes, tell somebody, tell somebody you can trust so that you can, if you're in a situation where you can't just walk away immediately, tell somebody and make a plan to get out of the situation. Maybe someone that can help you safely get out of that situation. Because there's never an excuse. There's never an excuse for somebody to put their hands on or be physical with another person like that. There's never an excuse for any type of abuse, period. And like you said, it happens emotionally, physically, spiritually, and there's just never any excuse for that. And that story just breaks my heart, and it makes me mad at the same time because I know what you've been through with that, and I know you are a very strong person, and it does not mean you're weak. It happens to very strong people all the time. It doesn't mean you're weak. It just means that that person does not know how to control themselves and they have some really bad deep issues that they need to deal with and they're taking it out on you well and they take advantage of your love for them too because you know it's different if a person just walks up off the street and punches you i mean that's different but if it's someone that you that you love and you care about and you've actually been in a relationship long enough to trust this person it's just a um yeah it's it's a very it's a very bad situation, and, and it's true. that That's them. There's no, what did I do, or I was drinking, or maybe I shouldn't have said this. I, I did not put my hands on this person. 
And this is what happened. So I think that these are important subjects. Obviously, I would do things incredibly different now. Again, believe it or not, I don't regret getting punched in the face because, first of all, I feel like I've been through things that I can help other people with. We just talked about how hard that is. And I think that, once again, I like to learn things the really hard way in my life. (laughs) And I did. I not only learned it in that situation, but I put myself in another situation where there were a lot more signs and a lot more red flags. And given what I had been through, I marched right into another situation. But I changed so much and I learned so much from both of those relationships about what I didn't want and how I didn't handle things right. And now I am married to a wonderful man who I know I make him mad, but would (laughs) never, ever put his hands on me. He would never mentally, emotionally, spiritually abuse me and manipulate me in that way. And he would never take advantage of my love and do something absolutely unacceptable because he really loves me. That's one of the things I really learned is real love. Yeah. Real love. Healthy love. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much from it. And you know, it goes without saying, I would never, I mean, I would, I would never have a problem standing up for myself or getting help or any of those things now because I learned so much. It might have been the hard way, but I do think that I've, I went through those things so that I can help other people and so that they can see, hey, yeah, that, that happened, you know, things like that happen to people, but they come out the other side and they can move on and be happy. Well, and, you know, I think the problem is, too, when people are in an abusive relationship, especially the second one where you were actually married to somebody who was very abusive, is you get into this cycle with them and, you know, then they come back and they beg for your forgiveness and they tell you they're sorry and they love you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you get into this really unhealthy cycle and I think it's even harder to break out of it then. But I like what you said about real love. Mm-hmm. Real love doesn't punch somebody in the face and they're not emotionally abusive and they're not physically abusive. That's not real love. That's a person who needs some. Well, they need a lot of things, <laughs> but they definitely need speaking of personal development. They need um, a lot of things. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm so glad. I mean, I, I hate it. It just I hate to hear you talk about those things. And I know it takes a lot of courage to even speak up on those kind of things because it's such a traumatic thing. And I know what you, you went through and it breaks my heart, but I'm so proud of you for sharing it. And and I can definitely say that you're in you're a totally different person now. And if that ever happened to you again. It wouldn't. <laughs> you would yeah, just, you no, know, I know. It, there would be an end to it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful too that, that I grew from that and that, you know, everything, everything that I've been through really has made me stronger and I really can look and see where it changed my path. Um, you know, not that I couldn't have done things differently and changed my path a little sooner, but I do think that we go through those things sometimes. And like I said, some of us are more hard headed than others and it takes (laughs) us a while. I'm a slow learner in some aspects. So, but yeah. Um, okay. Do you have anything that's a little bit 
more of a light topic or, or you got a heavy heavy one too i can't remember what your well, next one this is. is not this is not um punching in the face this is not quite as as heavy but it is on the same kind of subject matter um i'll try to make this a little bit short because it could get really long and drawn out um this is uh, i was in a relationship in my early 20s it was my first i, I would say like my first actual real relationship right. that i consider like a real you know, a real serious relationship. And um, I was in a relationship with somebody. I loved him. I thought he loved me. Um, long story short, he was very emotionally abusive. He, and I didn't realize it at the time until I got away from him. I didn't really realize what was going on at the time. Yeah. But it started out with little things like he would compare me to other women. Um, he would point out things like on my body that didn't look right or that he didn't like. Um, um, my turn to get mad. <laughs> um, he would poke at my character. He would say, he would just say really negative things about me. And, but then he would turn around and like try to make it like light, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, after a while, it's just started really, I didn't know what was going on at the time, but it started making me just feel really bad about myself and questioning myself. And I'm a fairly confident person, um, much more confident now than I was then. But even at the time, I was I was confident. I was a pretty young, you know, woman who worked hard. I was, you know, I had a lot going on for myself. And he just slowly but surely started making me feel worse and worse and worse about myself. And that just kind of went on for a very long time. And it was like this um, slow but steady way that he tore me down to where I lost all my self-confidence. I felt terrible about myself. Then I started comparing myself to all of these people. I got extremely insecure and he never hit me. There were a time or there was a time or two he pushed me down. You know, I remember one time he pushed me down on the bed and was like screaming in my face. One time he pushed me down on the couch and called me a fat ass. And that is still physical yeah, no, and that's, verbal that abuse. Is, it's Can definitely it, yes. it's no, that's definitely abuse. I told an extreme example, yes. but that is definitely abuse. Yes, not to downplay. That's definitely. I'm, it wasn't to the extreme as as yours was, but all of those things combined together. By the time I finally got the nerve to leave him in the past, I was a very broken down, insecure young woman. Mm. And I was kind of a shell of the person that I was when we started dating. And it took me a long time to really realize what had happened, that he had slowly just tore down all my self-confidence and just made me feel really terrible about myself. And, and we stayed together for several years. This happened over a period of, um, of several years. And I remember when I finally, you know, decided that this was not what I needed in my life, that I immediately felt like a weight was lifted off of me. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I started to find myself again and rebuild myself and realize that, realize what he had done and what I had let him do to me. And bless your heart, that was like your first, you said, real relationship. Yeah. How terrible yeah. to be in your first real relationship and you know, and he was happen. and he was young too. That doesn't excuse it at all. We were um he was actually a little bit younger than I was. But you know, 
when I looked back at it as when I got older, I realized that I made him very insecure mm-hmm. about a lot of things. And at the time, I didn't realize that, but I made him very insecure because I was a big dreamer. You know, I had all these big plans and I wanted him to go along with me. I wanted him to have the same kind of dreams and aspirations and goals in life. And so I was always trying to like pump him up and trying Mm -hmm. to get him to go after bigger, better things. And, you know, thinking of things, how we could have like a big future together. And it just irritated him. And that's not what he wanted. And so I guess his way of dealing with that was to tear me down Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't be so much. So he wouldn't be threatened by you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I have to say years and years and years later, I actually made, um, I made a blog post about this. It's been several years ago now and I didn't go into near that much detail, but I made like just a post about it and he read it and I got a message and he wanted to call me. Mm. I was like, hmm, wonder what this is about. This is a blast from the past. So I called. I called him just because I was curious. And we had both been married and had kids. It was, it was much, much later. But he called me and he had apologized. He had, a, he had a daughter by this time. And he apologized to me and said, I'm so very sorry for the way that I treated you. Now that I have a daughter, I see just how bad I was to you. And you were always a wonderful, beautiful person. And I'm so sorry that I treated you that way. Good, good for him that that he did that even all those years later. Yeah, that that's that said a lot to me. And I had and I told him, I said, "I, I forgave you a long time ago. It doesn't make what you did right. But I forgave you. You know, I understand you were still learning and growing too. And we just weren't right for each other. And I forgive you. doesn't make it right, but I've already forgiven you for it. Mm -hmm. But I did think that was good that he came back and apologized. But if you're ever in that situation, too, when if you if you're with somebody that just you you slowly start losing yourself and feeling really bad about yourself, that's not the relationship for you. Because when you're with somebody who really loves you. They're going to build more confidence. You should feel more inspired to do do things. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. And, you know. Once again, it's never, ever, ever okay. Even when you're young, do not put your hands on people. No. The verbal abuse, Mm -mm. things like that break people down. And, you know, that's how, you know, my second relationship, we were not young, we were older, and it started that way too. It was more of like a gradual it, it, it not, a lot of times that's how it happens. You know, the, the other situation, it usually doesn't happen like that out of the blue and there's no signs. What happens is they slowly tear you down mm-hmm. and it slowly gets worse. And it's first some verbal abuse or like you said, pointing out things to lower your confidence, make you think maybe you won't find anybody else. Well, and towards, towards the end of the relationship is when he started pushing me and things like that. So right. my belief is had we stayed together, it probably would have gotten worse and worse Mm -hmm. and the physical abuse would have gotten worse. And that's usually the progression is it starts there. And once they have you with the mental, emotional, verbal, spiritual, whatever abuse that it's a lot of times it's all of it, then it eventually becomes the physical abuse. And so, I mean, that's, that's so sad too, that it was at such a young age. And like I said, your very first relationship, but good for you that you 
moved on while you were still young and you did go on to hopefully have much better experiences in dating? Yeah, I was going to say, I learned so much from that. I don't regret it either because I did learn so much and it put me in a place to better understand other women and young women who go through things like that. And yeah, in a totally different place. Now I'm very happily married. I have a wonderful husband, Um, you know, went through a few more bumps in the road with relationships. But again, I'm kind of like you. Sometimes I have to learn the hard way. But I say all of that, even with that relationship, it taught me so much. And it it taught me what I deserved and what Mm -hmm. I didn't deserve. It taught me to respect myself. It taught me not to settle for someone who treats you like that. Mm -hmm. And to always, first of all, have respect for myself. Right. So, and you know, I remember, obviously, I know this relationship and I, I remember, and I think sometimes too, we haven't talked about this part, we say get help. It's it sometimes a lot of times you don't recognize it. And people will even tell you because I remember having many conversations with you about this particular individual. I know our sister did a couple of other people did. And a lot of times people can't see that and you think, oh, you're trying to destroy my relationship. But I will tell you, in my experience, if some if it's someone you trust and someone you love and they're seeing these things in your relationship, please try to be open minded mm-hmm. and listen, because if it is someone who has your best interest in mind and loves you, they're not trying to destroy your relationship. They just can see things from a different perspective. Well, and I was trying to protect him and re- protect our relationship, mm-hmm. which really wasn't any kind of a relationship. It still doesn't mean you didn't love him. Yeah. And so I was trying to protect him thinking that we could still work this out and that he loved me. And really the people that really loved me, like you and the other people you were talking Mm -hmm. about, y'all saw the change in me and Mm -hmm. you saw how different I was and you could see what was going on. But for the longest time, I remember we had arguments and everything because I was trying to protect it. Mm -hmm. Now looking back, I mean, y'all are looking out for my best interest. Yeah, I but I think that's a, that that's a, I think that's a very common thing, especially mm-hmm. when you're younger and, you know, you are so in love that it's sometimes you can't see it for yourself and you'll isolate the people that are trying to help you or right. that do see it and say, oh, you just don't like this person or you're trying to destroy my relationship. And, you know, that's that's a a trap that I think a lot of people can fall into. Well, and if somebody really loves you, like your family, somebody who's really close to you, and they're trying to help you, and they point out something like this, the only reason that they're going to try to tell you something like that is because they love you, and they want what's best for you. They Mm -hmm. want what's best for you. So yeah, oh, this is this was a very long, kind of a dark episode, but I think it's really necessary to talk about these kind of things. And I and and while it's hard a lot of times to share stories like this, I also I'm very open and want to share these kind of stories because, again, now I'm in such a good place and it taught me so much mm-hmm. how to have the the kind of life that I really deserved and the kind of relationship that I really deserved and really wanted. It taught me so much. All of these things taught me so much. And I'm a much stronger, happier person when it's all said and done, because these things did teach me. And now it puts me in a place to understand other people and to be able to be there for them and to help them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the main thing for me is that you can be there and you can tell 
you can tell your story now without all the, you know, without all the shame. Like we said, it, it's still hard and it kind of still, it puts you back in kind of like that. Oh man, yeah. I remember that. Those, those were some dark times and some things that we went through that were very not cool. Yeah. But talking about that and taking the shame away from it and, and making people aware that that is not your fault there's nothing wrong with you, no. except that you may have chose the wrong person. Again, that's still not your fault, and it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. But, you know, just talking about that and being open, whether it's dark or not, or a heavy subject, I think that's that's so important because I think that's why people don't talk about those things is because it, it does it is dark and it isn't pleasant. But that's our job now is to tell those stories that's and, right. and help somebody else. Well, and again, this is where your personal growth and that kind of thing comes in because if you work on yourself, you love yourself, you trust yourself, you tr- trust your instincts, and you become the best version of yourself, then, you know, my problem was then is I wasn't in the place to attract the right kind of person to me. I settled. Mm-hmm. I wasn't where I needed to be as a person. So I attracted somebody who treated me like trash, you know, and and the more you work on yourself and love yourself and get comfortable with yourself and know what you deserve and what you really want out of a partner and out of life, it becomes much easier to make decisions and to know if a person is right for you. Yeah. And on the other side of that, even if you have chosen someone that you do think is the right person and a good person and Maybe you were in a better place in your life and this person starts to change and show you a different side. Mm-hmm. It still is not your fault that you chose that person. You just got duped. You got snowed under. You got manipulated. So don't blame yourself. No. Just try to find this a, a way out of it. And like like you just said, just work on yourself. Love yourself. And grow from that so that you can have a happier, better future. Yeah, you you deserve happiness. You deserve all the happiness in the world. You deserve to be with someone who loves you and respects you. Um, You deserve, you always deserve to be respected by other people. And if Mm -hmm. somebody doesn't respect you, all of these stories that we told are huge um, examples of people being very disrespectful Mm -hmm. and not treating you the way that you deserve to be treated. So no matter what the situation is, love yourself, respect yourself, because you only deserve the best.